0: Hello there. How are you? Welcome to the podcast, Sport and Life. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate you hitting on the button. Uh, thank you as well to the sponsors as ever, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. We may well be locked down in lockdown 3.0 but I'm sure Jason Briggs and his team working remotely through the wonders of modern technology, Zoom, et cetera, to give you bespoke solutions, plans for your home entertainment systems, whatever it may be, and through Serene AV, not just to find Magnolos and equipment available. They can pretty much source anything you would like on the market. Saw some really cool stuff happening last year, actually, in terms of home cinemas and stuff that Jason was working on, but it can be smaller scale than that. Just uh, the fundamental equipment, as we all look to entertain and uh, engage ourselves working from home, Home homeschooling. My wife is thankfully continuing to spearhead that, but seems a challenge and they seems to be ramping up the amount of work actually from the school. So any sort of uh, positive distraction like good music to listen to, not that schooling (laughs) isn't positive, but you know what I mean. I hope you're well, physically as well. I hope you're in uh, good shape uh, amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, not just coronavirus but anything else the, the coughs and colds are in the northern hemisphere like me in the UK and Cheltenham at the moment in England it's a pretty tough time of year it's a lot of coughs and colds ailments normally that may be reduced actually due to a lack of contact but still a tough time not much daylight around so I hope you're well in uh, if you're looking to supplement my father Dr. Mark Draper is a big fan a big uh, advocate consultant who recommends Cytoplan the food supplement company based not far from here. He advocates their products and there's a discount you can have uh, to listeners of this podcast as well. One that I'm taking at the moment is Immune Complete 2, which is like a multivitamin, specifically designed though with things like vitamin D3, vitamin D3, if you're listening in the States or Australia, to help boost uh, your uh, levels at this time of year. If you're Maybe if you're in Australia, actually, won't be worrying for you because it'll be high of summer, although you may be locked down, which will limit your exposure to daylight. Uh, but we need that to, to get vitamin D3, big important uh, vitamin for our immune systems. Acts like a hormone. I've heard a couple of doctors say that during the pandemic uh, for all-around well-being, but particularly staving off uh, any viruses at the moment. It's got so, all the vitamins, vitamin C in there as well. Trace elements, which my father's a big advocate of, selenium and zinc, which may be deplete in UK soils in particular, that top four inches over-rotated in the mass industrial farming era. A lot of speculation and concern, isn't there, about our soil, and this may be a way to to circumnavigate it. And they are food-based supplements designed to be digested like food would be. So uh, Immune Complete 2 is one i take, but there's a whole raft of everything else on there, fish oils and whatever else you may be uh, looking uh, to uh, just hone and uh, perfect your well being at the moment. If you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C Y T O P L A N.co.uk, the discount code is Draper10R, D R A P E R, all capital letters, the numbers 10 and the capital letter R. Right, on to today's podcast. It is former Cheltenham Town and Bradford City footballer defender Shane Duff who's been on the podcast this is a third appearance he says here is, is Hattrick he's now turned into a property developer and I think it's a quite a deep dive into in this podcast not only reflecting on what Cheltenham are doing and his brother Michael Duff of course the manager of Cheltenham as they prepare in a couple of weeks to face Manchester City the great Manchester City recent uh, Premier League winners of course 2019 champions in the FA Cup at Wadden Road reflect on that but also talk about an issue that we've touched on before that he's really trying to delve back into, which he studied at university once his playing career came abruptly to an end through injury, was the concept of uh, of transitioning from football, from professional sport, particularly when you're not in the upper echelons of of lucrative pay in professional sport, how you re-go, re-jig your life, redesign your life for an, a second career, which he's done through property. We talk about property, the concepts of it. Look, talk about the property market because it's quite intriguing to me something that seems objective and based on numbers but then is often emotionally driven by the mood of the nation or the world and uh, how the property market goes up and down but he's involved in that but we talk about how he's looking to help other footballers who are perhaps coming towards that transition into the next phase and maybe looking for another career and we're not talking about sort of bizarre schemes we're talking about actual kind of concrete local developments to them how they may want to get involved in that and how he may coach them through it so it's interesting and That's always been a fascination to me in the terms of often you feel like you're just getting going in your career in your 30s, don't you? I think a lot of us, but for professional sports people, it's often that the twilight years and they're having to think about what's coming next for the next 25, 30 years. There's a financial imperative for a lot of them because they have to earn money. It's a big thing in professional rugby, I know, is, is that gap. Even at the lofty levels, they're still not getting paid astronomical amounts outside of maybe players like Danny Cipriani, not to throw Danny under a bus or anything like that. But still, it's, uh, it's an interesting topic that, that I always like to riff on with Shane. You can watch uh, or follow him on, on social media. He's got a Facebook page, Leckhampton Property Group, and on Instagram as well. But here is uh, the irrepressible and uh, the incomparable Shane Duff. Shane Duff, great to have you on the podcast
1: once again. How are you? I'm very well, sir. I'm very well, Ed. This is a, a hat trick now, so I'm very... Glad you want me back. Uh, well,
0: mate, it's fantastic to speak to you. I, re- I just appreciate your time. Um, it's it, it's incredibly almost a year, isn't it, since we last spoke? Which is, I think, just beggars belief. When I, when people talk about last year, I still think of 2019 because 2020 was almost just a non-event in lots of ways, wasn't it? It's, it's surreal that. But you came, I guess, before lockdown last year, so that would must have been February
1: or something like that. Yeah, and it's mad to think that that was a year ago because last year seemed to drag. Yeah. But equally, it's amazing how a year has passed. It has. Yeah, I think the
0: first few weeks of the spring lockdown sort of moved quite slowly and it was nice weather and then it's certainly sort of um, been protracted. But we had, we had some good news. I guess it's bittersweet news, wasn't it? What did you make? It, you know, Cheltenham Town getting Manchester City in the FA Cup at Wadden Road. It, it's a fairy tale story, but then it, it's somewhat just taken away by the fact that the fans won't be there to
1: watch it. I do I've just actually, I've just messaged my sister-in-law right now about it. Mm. And it's an amazing draw, absolutely amazing. It's what you dream for, it's what you wish for, um, and then you do. You, you feel sorry for the fans because personally you'll be thinking, you know, what? it'd be brilliant for Michael, it'd be brilliant for the football club. Yeah. But then all those people that have watched the club for years, for the, in the hope that they might they might get an FA Cup draw because they don't come around often, mm. and they're not going to be there. But I think it'll be amazing for the town. It'd be amazing for the football club. Just the the bit of exposure, and I think financially it might help. Yes. A little bit, well, I'm, I'm assuming it'll be televised, so hopefully yeah. that'll help.
0: Yeah, and be a financial boost, I think, getting to that round. But also Stockport County made, was it Stockport County or one of the teams? I think Marine made a lot of money through donations, didn't they? So you don't know whether they're a sort of virtual ticket raffle, maybe. I know the, the club, at, the fans at Chelton have already supported the club immensely. And who knows, they might get all the way to Wembley, I suppose. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Maybe, maybe yeah, Pep will, will take it lightly. Yeah, it's right. only Pep. What's what's he ever done in the game anyway? Yeah, did Michael <laughs> did Michael did Mike ever meet him when Michael was playing at Burnley? I'm trying to think. It's Pepper's summer of 2016. Had Michael retired by then? I'm not sure. 2016. Um... Yeah, so he would have. His first season was 16, 17, I think. Peppers as, as City boss. I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, so it might be. He might have faced him as a player, but what's
1: we'll he had? He has. What we know? 2021, 20, 19. I don't, he, might, he may not have, he may not have, because he had, he's been at Cheltenham two years now. Yeah. And he was Burnley 23's manager, before that he was 18's manager. Do you know what, he uh, might have, I think he may, he may, have, had, he may have had one
0: season there. yeah. It was around that time he retired, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I do know. Yeah. Um, but what have you made of the, the job that, that he's done at Cheltenham this season? The club, is, it's going along nicely, isn't it? I know there's a bit of a sort of dry patch in the league, but they're, they're sort of sick. Was it fourth in the league, I think, last time I looked?
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's nothing short of outstanding what he's done. Mm. Um, and looking at it from a psychology point of view he's gone into a team like they were normally when a manager changes it's because the club's not in a good place and the club yeah. weren't in a good place and I think four out of the previous five seasons they'd, they'd finished in the bottom four and the season that they they finished top was because they got relegated out of the league and then they, got, they bounced back uh, straight yeah. away from Gary Johnson and that was, that was a really good season for them but four out of the five seasons they'd finished in the bottom four mm. at league two so it was almost what he was walking into a culture where it seemed to be okay not to not to win. Mm. And Michael's not that, not not that sort well, of guy. Like
0: the, the, the mindset was survival, wasn't it? Rather than sort of prosper,
1: yeah, I think so. And I think that gets ingrained into, into the whole community, everyone is there, they delivering the same sort of message. So we've gone in there, and a manager would normally. Like at higher up the level, you might get a, a Sam Allardyce who walks into a club and he might demand and he goes, right, well, I'm, I'm having five coaching staff. I'm having, mm. I'm having this person, this person, this person. You've got a whole load of people coming in with a new, new energy. Yeah. But Michael, he went in. Some of the staff that were there, he played with anyway. So he had that personal relationship and he, like, he, he really likes them as people, even though he probably didn't know what they were like as, as staff. Yeah. But they all of them together, he's gone in. And he made, from being an outsider looking in, Mm-hmm. It looks like all the messages are are going the same way. They're all on the same path. They're probably all echoing each other's messages. And I think he's completely changed the culture. And I think that's I think that's not easy because in his mm-hmm. time also the chairman was in his first year um, of being a football football league chairman when Michael was appointed. Yeah. So I think he took he went out on a bit of a limb actually by appointing Michael. So I think credit to him because he wouldn't have known Michael's. He would have been aware of Michael's history of being a player and well thought of, mm-hmm. but. I don't think he, um, he wouldn't have personally known Michael. No, no. And it's, it's his first full
0: season was the pandemic season as well. So the fact he's, he's handled it, got them to the playoffs, a disappointment against Northampton, wasn't it, in the second leg, but still to even gather up again and come again this season and, and do so well on such a tight financial pitch, which is always tight at Cheltenham, but it's been exacerbated by the conditions. I wondered, on, I mentioned to John Palmer last week, the local journalist, sports journalist, about whether... It, it, his history, Michael's history, is, is playing non-league, playing, you know, it's the fabled story, isn't it? He's the only player to play. The eight tiers ascending up to the Premier League. Do you think that that helped him, the fact that he was used to playing without big support? Do you think that psychologically he could inspire the players? I know it's weird when there's, you're not playing on a park on a Sunday, are you? Because you've got the, fan, the empty stands around you. But do you think that's helped him, his sort of, his background in the game, rather than maybe him being a Premier League academy graduate and playing at that top level all the time?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think what it does... His experience that he's had over the past thirty years, from ten right up until now—well, his birthday yesterday actually—so he had a good good birthday yesterday with that draw. Yes, he's seen it all and experienced a lot, and it's the best type of learning is the experience you've got. So he can he can relate to that, Mm. and equally he's he's been an underdog himself. He he fought against other people saying he was never going to be good enough. He was always going to be too small to be a footballer, and he's fought against a lot to achieve a lot. Mm. And I think all managers. No matter, in any level of the game, they've all got a bit of an ego.
0: And they have <laughs> to have all humans, thing. yeah, yeah.
1: Because yeah. They've, they've got to believe that they can make a difference. And some people go about it the, the wrong way. So I'm not saying having an ego is a bad thing at all. Mm. Um, I just think he's held himself really well. I, I'm, really, I'm really impressed with how he's done it. Because I was, I was thinking fair play. Because to step out of the Burnley under twenty three manager, where... I think if Sean Dyche had have gone in that season, I think Michael would have got like a caretaker role there. I'm not saying yeah. he would have got the job up there. Mm. So he's kind of walked away from a quite a comfortable job. Yeah, into a fire pit where <laughs> if if he didn't do yeah. well, like if Michael had gone six months and didn't do very well, and he gets sacked, that's mm. it. You're on the scrap heap, and then you've got to work really, really hard to to get back on. So he took a massive risk, but. Mm it's it's paid off for him and he made it he made it that way so credit to him yeah i have to say coaching
0: in a premier league academy probably on probably on a solid wage is probably not the least attractive thing in the world as you say because the, the goals are different obviously there'll be a, a kudos to winning but it's not the same intensity and pressure and sort of survival mindset you have to have as a a football manager in senior in senior football uh, what, what's happening Shane with, with you? How's the, how's the year been? So you've had projects developing. Last time you were with us you were going out to site I think just after you, you came round to chat about on the podcast. You went out to see some houses but they've come to fruition have they?
1: Yeah we've personally we've had quite a, um, an interesting year. Like we, before when we met a year ago we were just almost coming to the final three to four months of a building site in Cheltenham where we're developing six luxury houses yeah. uh, in a nice spot in Cheltenham. Uh, we've managed to sell complete five sales of them, and one of them has been hanging on like it's mm. sold, but it's been hanging on for a couple of months now. Okay. It's it a bit frustrating, but the whole pandemic has just meant that the whole selling process has just taken a lot longer than we anticipated. Yeah, um, but we haven't just sat still. We've taken on another another four projects in addition to that. Um, mm. We've taken on a big commercial project in Manchester, uh, which will become a conversion into twelve studio flats. Nice. Um, Is that the centre we, of Manchester? In Oldham. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. So nice. if we get it done in time, you never know. Might, we might put the Cheltenham team up as accommodation. <laughs> <laughs> they get um, Yeah. Because I've, I've actually got, I've got a pub conversion in Oldham as well, so I seem to be attracted to Oldham. Yeah, I,
0: I was going to say, yeah, it's interesting.
1: I know, I know Michael played in that part of the world, but I didn't know
0: your connection with it.
1: Yeah, so we've got that. And then we did a couple more projects locally where we bought, refurbished and sold. And then we've actually taken on a project in London also, but we've actually got planning permission and we're waiting on it being granted to knock down a bungalow and build a pair of semi-detached houses. Mm. So it's been, it's been all go and we're really, really, we're hunting now big time. I'm working on a lot of stuff in the background, um, working on the, the next site. We would like to buy a big site or a site fairly local within 30, 40 miles of Cheltenham. Yeah. But... At the moment, we're saying no to more opportunities than we're saying yes to, just because there is a little bit of uncertainty in the market. We mm. don't want to get into something that you can't get out of. And so far, everything's gone really, really well. Yeah, And I think it's gone well because we've taken that sort of approach. What, what, what's your read on the, on the
0: property market then? Because it's been sort of boom times in Cheltenham, hasn't it, since the, the, uh, the holiday on stamp duty. Is that right? Mm.
1: Yeah, it's gone. It's gone a little bit crazy. I would, I would personally say it's maybe slightly artificially inflated because mm-hmm. the government incentives with the stamp duty and the government pumping money into the pockets of the consumers. It's kind of keeping the property market going because if the property market crashes, everything crashes or everything. Okay. So when I say crash, just means it slows down or drops a bit. Yeah. So it's quite pivotal. But I do think that if as soon as it, if they, if they extend the stamp duty holiday. It will just keep the can down the road, and it might happen then. So yeah. I'm expecting a bit of a taper off, a bit of a drop, because it can't boom constantly. Obviously, I, I'm I'm in property, so I believe that property is a really really sound investment. Mm. But I think if you can factor in a, a little bit of a drop, you're okay. It's but for, I'm
0: Yeah, it's going to say it's furlough part of that picture as well when that ends, because that's been extended to April, hasn't it? Because we're not quite sure what the employment market is doing at the moment. Not that I sound like some sort of economist, but
1: just trying to
0: read it as a layperson, you know, trying to get a a picture of it.
1: It's true. Some people say, oh, it won't won't impact, but it will, because the first-time buyers and the people at the bottom, bottom of the market, they stimulate the market. So they might not be the people buying the £5 million houses in London, but that chain or has got to start somewhere. So I yeah. think when the furlough ends and people, there's less cash available, it may have an impact. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. W- would the best thing to do be for people to sell their house now and rent for a bit? Is that what you do and then wait for the market to maybe dip a bit and then buy back again? Or if you were sort of being a tactical mover? If you, if you didn't have kids etc that yeah no logistically well, you, difficult
1: you say that but I know a friend of mine he had a house in Leicester yeah. I'll tell you he sold it to. he nearly sold his house to Colo Tura really uh, I can't remember who's the I can't remember who the Leicester assistant manager is too they they both went round to the view the house and he mm-hmm. thought Do you know what the market is booming right now I'm going to sell it yeah so he sold it he sold it he he, he thinks he sold it for about like two hundred thousand pound more than he thought it was worth wow and he's just gone to Portugal. Beautiful. Just he, a red he, he said, I'll put it on the market. I'll see what it sells for. And if it sells, I'll go. And then I worry about it later. So he thought, I might just go and live on a boat. But as it <laughs> happened, he's gone, to, he's gone to Portugal. And he never, he's not looking back. He said, I absolutely love it. And Even though they're, they're going into a strict lockdown on Thursday. Oh, okay. Is he a single guy then, is he? No, he's, um, he's got grown-up kids. Oh, okay. He's got so, grown-up kids. Yeah. And he can, essentially, he's running his business
0: from a laptop over there. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't. I mean, to be honest, you can actually take your kids out there at the moment with homeschooling, but I suppose yeah. it's a little bit more uh, more tricky. But what have you made of that side of it, the technology side? Because we're talking now, and you've got beautiful. We're already doing audio, so people can't see. It. I'm I'm contemplating, as I say, adding a video arm to the podcast on on YouTube or another platform. But you've got this uh, Big Brother set up there, your big chair and stuff. It looks like the Diary Room on the Big Brother. Um, so we can't see that. But you've you've been tethered to the, the computer more than usual, you say, because of the restrictions. And that's kind of taken away some of the enjoyment of, of the job property developing. It really has.
1: Um enjoyment's a big thing in life that we we sometimes it just happens to us. We don't create. And I'm a people person. I like to get out, I like to speak to people. Even if even if I don't feel as if I've got anything to achieve by doing it, I'll do it just because I enjoy it. And it's yeah. amazing how many opportunities you create. But I think the whole working the working life will never go back to the way it was. Um, One of the projects in Oldham we're looking at is in the basement. They've got a big big basement that we're going to turn into a co-working space Mm -hmm. because we're going to build 12 studios upstairs. They're going to be quite fairly small, but we're going to give them an opportunity to get out of their room
0: Mm -hmm. and go
1: and work downstairs. They can almost like rent a desk. Okay, rather than commute into central Manchester predominantly. Yeah, because the amount of money that businesses must spend on premises when really it's probably not needed and they're probably – they're probably realising that now. Like, I'm thinking, we do quite a lot of work with solicitors. And to be honest, they don't need to be in the offices at all. No, no. But what it's, made, what it's meant is that people don't get out. Yes. Don't yes. Get, cause I used to listen, to, I, do, I do a lot of work on self-development, and i, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Mm. And I used to find, before lockdown, every time I jumped in the car, I'd listen to something.
0: Yes. And all of a
1: sudden, you stop driving, so you stop listening. I started thinking, what's going on here? Yeah. And I just realised I had a big void in my life, so... I've now got to find time to get outside, walk around, and maybe just stick some headphones in and listen to some some people talk to me.
0: Yeah, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed Tony Robbins, the self-development guru in the past, but my wife can't stand his voice, so he can't, I can't listen to that at home, so it makes it a little bit difficult. And I try to learn Spanish a little bit when I'm in the car as well, so that's taken that, you know, but although I'm actually going into work, I have to say, people person like you're saying and I know that people have personality types and all human beings need to see other human beings. We are pack animals, but the if you're more extroverted like I certainly am, I think I've been fortunate to to head into Sky Studios, albeit you know, I've still got the commute and stuff which other people have, have been liberated from. But I think there is an element, as like you say, a communal working space may make sense because I think psychologically getting out of the space you're living in twenty four seven is nice. But also just seeing other human beings is probably a good thing and to maintain those skills as well because it you think of everything as a practice, don't you? And I suppose the self-development stuff there—a lot of that can be about how you interact with other human beings as well. If you're not getting practice in person,
1: Zoom is a is a very different dynamic. It really is. It really is. And there's a whole that has a whole different code of conduct. Of how you conduct yourself on a Zoom. Well, like mm. I've actually got like a jumper and a shirt here, but I've got a pair of tracky bottoms on and slippers. <laughs> <So it's- laughs> You don't,
0: have get, you don't have to get dressed up for me. This is uh, this is the low bar of uh, of dress. Yeah,
1: you, you never know. You never know. Uh, always be prepared. Yeah, well, no, it's it's, um, it's I think it's an exciting time ahead. It's just working out the best way to utilize it because people could become disconnected. Um, from proper proper life, I don't know whether you've seen this new clubhouse thing that's going around, and I've got mixed thoughts on it. I don't want to get into it at the moment.
0: No, I saw you post about it, but I haven't actually explored it myself. Is it social? Is it social media platform? Is it?
1: Yeah, like essentially, you and I, we could just click a chat and start, and we could start talking about something. We could just put make a title that says oh, Cheltenham's FA Cup fixture against Man City and we could like host the chat but people could just log in and listen to us talk so people could be live listening to this conversation now Okay. and my, my fear of that is that I don't have any disconnect time I'm, I'm, I'll, be, I'll, I'll have 10 minutes making a cup of tea or making a sandwich and I'll just tune into something it's not as if you have any time to think I and mean, the best thing for me is actually having some thinking time because yeah. when you've got some time to think with a clear head or actually talk to other people my fear is that you just constantly plugged into your phone or your laptop, so like is 24-7. That,
0: is that just like a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live then? How does it differ from that? Um,
1: well, like Sunday, Sunday we went to the park, mm. and there was a property, people on there, it just flashed up on my phone, so I went, Alice, look at this, me and Chris, I said, this is how it works. So we clicked on it, and there was I think there was 10 people who were hosting it, but there was like 350 people listening. And if you had a question, you can, you can tap a button which raises your hand and then one of, the pe- one of the hosts can refer it to you and go, oh, so, Ed, have you got a question? What's your question for Shane? Oh, so it's like Teams but with strangers. Teams <laughs> calls cool, yeah, with Yeah, it really yeah. is. It really yeah. is. And there's going to be loads of people pushed now. They're going, you've got to be on it, you've got to be on it. And from my point of view, because I need to market myself. Yes. And in my business, I'm looking for property opportunities. I'm looking for investors. And I'm looking for coaching clients because I – I coach, I coach people in property yes, um, to do really good things, and I've got like, quite a good um, track, track record. So mm-hmm. sometimes you've got, I've got to put myself out into these things, but I do have a fear of constantly staring at my phone and not actually listening Be- to my children.
0: <laughs> well, it's fe- yeah, feeling busy and feeling perpetually distracted and not focused, isn't it? I think that's the danger of the modern technology and how you have to sort of somehow get a handle on using it and not being used by it and that was a you know came home to me I think one of the I've never been addicted to alcohol or drugs or anything like that but I think when I look at my phone use and I watch things like the social media dilemma on Netflix I wonder well maybe that's something that I do have an issue with is that I'll repetitively look at my phone without consciously thinking about what I'm doing but then it can it can make you a little bit fuzzy it it occupies your brain in a sort of non-constructive way whereas actually having a bit of a gap and a distance you sort of have a refreshing process where you can maybe think about what, what you should be doing. I don't know whether you've, you've found that. I mean, that, that platform you're talking about there almost sounds just like
1: home radio, doesn't it? Like, you know, people hosting a radio show. And, 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 I, and I'm, I'm a massive person. I've, I work on outcomes when I'm co- with coaching my clients. You talk about, okay, what is the outcome you want? Okay, how are you going to do that? And if you're yeah. logging on to listen to people for an hour and you don't know exactly what you're going to get, yeah. well, in my eyes, that's, that's wasted time. If mm-hmm. your outcome is to get exposure and make sure that people see you, yeah, but it's probably worthwhile doing it. Mm. But and if you're going there to learn something, there's probably, I would say there's probably better avenues to go and learn something, whether it be going to a specific talk, going to a particular person, getting some education, having a coach, having a mentor, speaking to people who know, rather than just going, logging into something for probably an hour, two hours, three hours of your life, yeah. hoping that you might find a golden, golden nugget somewhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I work in the quote-unquote mainstream media, but that's only the mainstream media conceived of in 2021 working at Sky Sports News because actually, you know, prior to 1998, Sky Sports News didn't exist. And I suppose mainstream media was pretty much just the, the BBC, ITV, whatever it may be. But at that time, you had, you know, they commanded huge influence and audience because most people didn't have any other options. So they'd, they'd watch the, the main channels. Whereas a con- concern now is with these different platforms. Are they offering anything unique or are they just fragmenting the audience anymore but I suppose maybe the argument is that for you Shane I suppose it's not about mass audiences it's a niche audience I guess that you directly if you want a property audience people intrigued by the market who were looking maybe to invest so I suppose I sort of understand the fragmentation of the the media landscape in that sense but you don't want it to get too obscure, do you?
1: Well yeah you don't do anything yeah, I was talking to the other day. They're like, "Oh God, I'm so busy. I'm com- I'm commenting on all these other people's social media. They're giving them so much support." I was like, "Yeah, but what what are you actually achieving yourself?" Yeah. Said, Apart from stress, and she said nothing. <laughs> I was like, "Well, it's a fundamental problem." Yeah. Well,
0: everyone's everyone's so busy. So you have got to think everyone else is not going to suddenly want to follow you necessarily on social media. And it's interesting because a lot of people are contacting me saying, I'm starting a YouTube show. Can you come on my show? And I think it's, it's fantastic, but you know, it's, it's how much endurance have you got? Because to make a, a sort of impact, I mean, I've started this podcast a couple of years ago, maybe for, for fun and an outlet because I love the, the medium and i I'd, I'd done it previously at absolute radio and at sky sports, I'd hosted the boxing podcast. And because I went full time at sky sports news, that was no longer feasible for me to do it. So I just enjoy conversation and, it's sort of grown quite a lot, and particularly in lockdown, it's you know, had sort of like another 20,000, 21,000 listens or something, which is fantastic, and it's, it's still modest compared to, obviously, the extreme global phenomenons of, of Joe Rogan and people like that. But if you want to make an impact, I think you, you have to do an incredible amount of work. But I think something like a podcast or a show is maybe different than just commenting on, on social media, because that's just transient, isn't it? It's gone, it's gone pretty instantly, and I think there's, people, people are staring at so much stuff.
1: And it, yeah, and I think and it, people, can add, it can addle your brain as well, can't it? If you're trying to be yeah. creative as well. Yeah, and there's a lot of marketing specialists out there who probably tell you a lot more than I can. But it's all to do with algorithms and being connected. Who sees your who sees your stuff? But ultimately, yeah. with your podcast, you you probably got a following. Mm. Um, that people just they just really like your stuff because of the way you deliver it and the guests you sort of have on, and they'll just stay loyal to you. Mm. But if you're looking to monetize it or in grow it so it becomes worldwide you probably got to start being a little bit more aggressive interacting a lot more it depends on it depends on what people what they want to do is it enjoyment or is it just pastime or is it business
0: i think you have to enjoy it to for it to grow it's interesting because there is that sort of proactive sense that people approach it that way but then there are people like for instance joe rogan says he's never publicized his podcast it kind of grew organically from him and fellow comedians just having banter and then develop from there and actually, there's there is that sort of word of mouth thing I think that's still prevalent that people will maybe you know rather than just sharing online that if someone says to you hey go mate listen to this if it's a good friend you may be more likely to, to tune in but you're right I think there's a core people who listen to the podcast which I really appreciate and then there'll be a fluctuation in in numbers according to who the guests are and it's all very modest but that will, will change a little bit and I know actually it's interesting anyone that's sort of particularly boxing does well but Cheltenham oriented does well because it's a local area and I think there's maybe not an outlet for people doing that sort of locally so that's interesting like people like yourself and your brother and uh, Will Boyle's been on the podcast Cheltenham Town Player but even the local journalists like Ash Loveridge and John Palmer seem to garner a a big audience of people who maybe haven't got that um, that sort of those topics discussed the local football club the local part of the country so yeah, it's an interesting, it's interesting the da- dynamic, but your, your, your sort of appreciation of coaching is interesting. because I had a chap called Danny Sanger on just before Christmas, who is a coach who works with celebrities and things like that. And he, um, I think, was talking about confidence as something he believes is a state rather than situationally specific, because you being a former sports person, you know, we could talk about confidence all day long, but you know unless you put the repetition into, say, taking a free kick or a corner kick, you're not going to be great at callers, even if you think you're going to be fantastic when you walk up. Where do you see that, that balance? I'm intrigued. Where you, is there a general sense of confidence in which we can approach stuff? Is that more of an attitude? And then there's the, the sort of genuine confidence of executing a particular skill that, that requires
1: yeah, experience. No, well, um, I would say a skill is putting, a, putting something in practice at the, at the given time. Mm. And sometimes, whether it's the, the whole 10,000-hour hour rule in sport, Yes, it's been slated for years, but there's, there's some element of truth. Is If you've got confidence to perform under pressure, yeah, like, you might, like a, a top-level football player, they might get past the ball and they're really comfortable with it. And then, actually, the difference is when they get put under pressure. And obviously, the top players, they don't care if they've got three people around them. They, they, they've got the confidence to deal with mm, it. Whereas, yeah. the lower down the leagues you've got, um, you've got players who receive the ball under pressure and they panic. That's just a confidence thing in, in sport. And I do believe, because you've, you've got to almost like train, train your internal organs and your internal makeup to, to believe in yourself, to almost just like yourself. Because we're so mm. harsh on ourselves, and the clients that I have, they are so, so, so tough on themselves, and all they end up doing, they completely sabotage every hope that they've got of ever doing anything because they don't have the confidence to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because you you don't, you don't, you
1: don't, you'd rather
0: not do it and fail than do it and fail, which is kind of the wrong way around, isn't it? Because we've got such a sort of stigma around failure, but more internally maybe than we do think when we think of other people. I think we judge ourselves more about failure than, than maybe others.
1: Yeah, completely. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And you're, you, you mentioned his name earlier, Tony Robbins. One of the big things that um, I've learned, um, and I wish I'd actually knew this in, when I played football, was everyone, there's, a, there's something called six human needs. Like we've got these six human needs inside of us that underpin every decision that we make. And two of the things that people drive for is certainty and uncertainty. Mm. And with with uncertainty, people don't like it, or lots of people don't like it.
0: Yeah. But especially right now, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right now there's so much uncertainty. So we don't like it. It completely just changes our makeup. So what do we do? So people try and find certainty in other areas. But whereas a top level sports person, they're quite happy to fail. So they'll go into something going, you know, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to give it a go. And yeah. they'll fail and they'll fail and they'll fail and they'll fail and they just keep going and they'll keep going, keep going. Yeah. So, like a goal, like Michael Phelps, most decorated uh, um, Olympian. Mm. Do you think he, and I was talking about him yesterday, and do you think he always felt good? Do you think he was always motivated? Because people no. always say, people always say, oh, I need, I need you to give me motivation. I'm like, well, that's, how long is that going to last for? Yeah. <laughs> just habit. So, it's habit forming, yeah. is it? Because Phelps,
0: just, his habit was getting in the pool and swim, wasn't it, I suppose, every day?
1: yeah it's discipline getting up doing what you're doing what you're say you're going to do over and over again when you're not even emotional about it mm. and it's it's a massive thing where people just they don't feel good they lose motivation like i was talking to someone yesterday and they said they wanted to, they really wanted to read this book they told me they wanted to read this book i am go oh, well, what are you going to do i was like we'll commit to something 10 pages a day and she went oh it's a bit much and i was like really I said, well, what, page, read? Well, what page what page a page Yeah, I said, do you want to read this book? Yeah, like, why? And she didn't really have a reason why. And that was, and that's a big, a big reason why, because some people don't know what they want and they don't know why they want it.
0: Yeah. So the
1: example I gave was, if you had a 20-story building and I went, at the end, there's a plank of wood that goes out 20 feet. Mm. I said, there's a 20 pound note at the end, would you go and get it? She's like, well, no, of course I wouldn't. I said, why not? He said, well, I might fall off, I might kill myself. I went, okay, fair enough. Mm -hmm. I went, what about if you're, daughter was stood on the end, trapped, mm-hmm. and you had to go, would you go and get it No, She said, well, of course I would. I went, well the risk and reward is still exactly the same. Other than sorry, the reward is slightly different. The only thing that's changed <laughs> yeah, is it it's of your
0: daughter, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So and she and like she got it. I was like, well, you can't because it's all about sales, isn't it? People say a life is sales and they get they get they get drawn into the whole um, the car salesman trying to yeah. just sell you something. I'm like well every decision you make in your life is all about a sale you either sell it to yourself that you're going to do something or you sell it to yourself that you don't so if you want to go to the gym you'll sell it to yourself that the reason to go to the gym is xyz because you want to look good you want to feel good Mm. you want to be able to swim 50 lengths whatever it may be or you've either sold it to yourself that actually i can't be bothered i deserve to rest i deserve to sit and Mm. watch netflix or whatever it may be yeah and it's when you sell when you talk about sales in in that regard it's like okay that's fair enough but I, I,
0: yeah but it's interesting when you, when you listen to that as well because listening to you talk there i just wonder sometimes whether we're sort of harsh on people because a lot of it's context based of, of how different we are and what aptitudes we have because you know for example you're engaged in property and clearly love the sort of business of that the constant communication the negotiation the the organizational aspects of it which is something that i just would not enjoy it is because my brother-in-law he's uh leaving his, his job soon he's done really well as a director of a company and he's he's looking to start a property development company and he's developed various houses and they talk about just the, the minutiae of all the detail about you know this wall those steps whatever it might be and i'm like i could never be passionate about that i'm passionate when i listen to people like you and him speak and i'm like oh this is great maybe i could do that but i think actually i just wouldn't enjoy it minute to minute so i think sometimes it's finding what you can apply, the discipline and the passion and what will carry you through, isn't it? Because I think that's that seems often the, the divergent thing. We, th- we think something's in fashion, that we should do this, we should be an entrepreneur in this field, when actually maybe it doesn't suit us. And maybe, you know, things that, you know, like even playing sport, maybe we don't, we don't all have to want to be a, a footballer if it's, if it's not in our makeup.
1: I completely agree with that. And even that, when people get into property, they, I say, well, why do you want to get into property? Again, I had a call with a guy last night. So he, he, want, he, want, he approached me to, to get some coaching. And I was like, well, why are you doing this? And he, yeah. I loved his answers. None of it was property-related. Whereas yeah. some people go, oh, I want, I, want, I want 10 properties, or I want to be able to do this, I want to be able to do this. And it was all property-related. But mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in any of that. I was like, yeah, but why do you want to do that? Yeah, but why do you want to do that? Yeah. And people get frustrated because – these people who say, do you know what? There's an, uh, one of my clients, I don't think she'd mind me sharing this. She's currently, she's living in Sweden mm. and she's actually she developed enough property in the last year that she can leave her job. Nice. But she had Christmas just now. Mm. And she said, oh, I had, it was a great time off, but I'm worried. I said, what are you worried about? And she said, all I did, I, ended, I sat on the sofa and I watched Netflix and drank wine. <laughs> I was like, okay. I said, so let tell me what, what, you, what you're working towards in the first quarter of this year. I said, T- tell me about leaving work because that's what one of her targets. And it, almost, it wasn't on her radar anymore about leaving work. So I found mm-hmm. out why. So yeah. after breaking it all down, she was scared about leaving her job because all she saw was her developing into a fat, overweight, unhealthy, <laughs> alcoholic slob watching <laughs> Netflix. <laughs>
0: so,
1: so I was like, okay, well, you, need to, you need to start envisaging the life that you want. But yeah. you've got to start putting your mind there and start thinking about it as if... Well, what, what, is it, what will I be doing? Yeah. What, what am I going to be doing when I'm not at work? How am I going to be filling my days? Because, yes, it's not sustainable to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix and drink wine and do nothing because you won't be around much longer. Mm. So, and it, it, was a, it was a real light bulb moment for her. So, it was a case, so she had to work out, okay, what actually is it I want out of my life? Mm. What, where, how do I want to create this? Because everyone's got the ability to create their future. Everyone has.
0: Mm.
1: Some people have got, uh, been dealt a different hand. And we all are where we are right now today, but we all have some control over what happens in the next few weeks and months just by the choices that we make.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if the pandemic and the the reaffirmation of, you know, kind of reawakening of our sense of mortality, for a lot of people, we don't really think about it. But obviously when you have headlines blazoned about cases, fatalities of the past year, I think it makes you realize, oh, this is a temporary existence, which can be motivating. Because what you talked through there, and I think the goals that people have you have to want the lifestyle that goes with that pursuit, not just the outcomes, don't you? Because actually time is, is effectively, it sounds deep, but the biggest commodity we have that's really present to me is I, you know, I'm 39 now I'm looking at 40 and thinking, wow, that's quite, you know, that's halfway. So you kind of start to think, how am I living the life? What am I using the time? Because I think that's the stuff that I'll look back on rather than how much money I had would be, was I enjoying it? Was I making the most of it? And not saying that, you know, life can be tough and throw things at you obviously that you don't always enjoy it, but, when you could make the choice were you making choices towards
1: using the time as well as as possible is that something you look for when you look for clients yeah. and then, no, and, then massively, massively. Yeah. and we and I, even even within myself all this self development that I've done I, I get coached myself as well so you, there's no hiding place you basically get pulled apart from pillar to post and it's it's good because your own ego gets in the way your mind tries to protect me at times and okay. stuff like that and it's yeah. i talk about like being in a conflict so i might have like my core principles or everything I stand for. Because when my little boy was young, well, I decided to quit my job. And I went, right, I want my little boy on a Monday. One of, yeah. one of my reasons for quitting my job and making, making a route down this property path is so I can spend, actually, I want to actually be a part of my children's life. Yeah. So I did that. And then after we came out of the pandemic, I was like, right, we need to start ramping this up. We, when nursery is open again, we might have to put them in. We might have to put them in, put them in nursery more. Mm. And then it took Alice to turn around and go, well, actually, is that, is that what you want? Mm. And it was a great question because actually it's not what I wanted. So yeah. it just means that, no, that, that, day, that day of having my boy in the week has got to be sacred. So sometimes the people might say to you, oh, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my family. But yeah. then they've got this drive for, to earn a million pounds or to try to try and do something and they'll they'll, they'll be they'll they'll be
0: grown up by the time you've earned it that's the sort of bizarre thing isn't it because that's something as a parent you realize how fleeting it is how quickly kids grow up
1: yeah and and it just creates a conflict because by feeding their need for financial freedom it actually takes them away from what they say is something that they really value so then you can start questioning people going well how you how you are behaving is not in alignment with where you're, where you're heading. So what is it you're hoping to achieve by this? Yeah. It's, really, it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm really, really open to it now. Um, and I have been for a couple of years. And I think it makes such a difference when you've actually got someone questioning you of what is it you're doing and you're questioning the purpose that you've got.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's good to have a destination, isn't it, in mind because it gives you a sense of direction. You use the word purpose and it motivates you. But it also becomes distracting in the sense that you start to sacrifice the here and now which is often the only thing we're guaranteed so you, you want to you have to sort of balance that as well don't you that that future present sort of debate I think is a is one that's pertinent and I guess that's in football as well isn't it you know you, when you're a footballer you want to win the league at the end of the season but you want to enjoy it week to week as well
1: yeah and I think even, even looking back I think a lot of footballers or sports people or anyone who's had like a, a fun past will look back and go you see, you might have been so focused on the next game on a Saturday, that you sometimes don't enjoy today. Yeah. And I don't know you, you can to try and... And I think people will always say, oh, enjoy it. Enjoy, enjoy your school days when you're there because they'll be the best days of your life and you don't want to yeah. hear it at the time because all you want to do is get to high school. Mm. When you're at university, you just want a job. When you're not on holiday, all you want to do is go on holiday. Yes. We, always, we always want what we haven't got without enjoying sometimes what you've got. And I, that Christmas actually was an uh, example of that. Some mm. choices were taken away from you. Mm. that you can't go and see all these people that you wanted to see and it was actually really nice like because those choices (laughs) (laughs) were simplicity simplicity, yeah yeah Yeah. you were forced to sit in a house with less people and play board games and play games on the floor just all day and play with little cars or whatever play lego i never played so much lego in all my life (laughs) um and it was It was was actually really, really nice. And I think people now moving forward, we might remember that. Mm -hmm. When they make all these promises to go and see brothers, sisters, aunties, uncles, cousins, whatever, they might not do so much in the future, which might be a shame. But equally, they might look after their own time a bit more. Yeah, a lot of
0: people hurtle through life sort of busy, 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 don't they? And we, we sort of think we always complain about it. But then you wonder what bits are mandatory, like your job obviously is a commitment. You're doing that to earn money for your family. But what other aspects are you adding to it? I think consumer culture keep, keeps us sort of in that mindset of we need to get the next thing, buy the next thing. And I think it's, it's not saying that it's not nice sometimes to buy a nice thing, but it's just having that constant choice and decision-making can, can which has taken away like you say from us. And I've, it's good that you said that because I felt like an old miser that the simplicity of it was actually quite appealing to me. And I, I do appreciate that a, I haven't been dramatically affected by the COVID crisis in terms of health. Uh, people and friends have had it. Luckily one mate, I think is just pulling around at the moment and my brother had it, but we shook it off. He's only 28. So he didn't, didn't have too many severe a uh, case of it. And then also my sister-in-law's father passed away but he had severe dementia so it was actually I think there's a modicum of of relief in her family about that so it wasn't um, hasn't something that's touched me deeply in in, in that sense and I've retained my job so I think I'm very cognizant of that but I'm also yeah at a a stage in my life I'm not 18 to 21 so I'm not desperately disappointed the bars aren't open I always used to find New Year's Eve stressful anyway because it'd be built up to be a big big night and actually quite (laughs) it didn't feel like going out so there's that there is that sort of I don't know whether it's depressing middle-aged sort of bad sort of mindset but it that's, that's I'm with you mate I'm with I you I don't no, have I don't to make all that
1: you can get lost
0: <laughs> yeah but, but but you're right decisions and choices are tiring aren't they you know and, and when you've got kids and your energy is sort of stretched across different platforms actually sometimes having those decisions removed can uh, can be liberating yeah absolutely yeah it's it's, it's good stuff um so what, in terms of the property, the, the company, you, you've talked to me in the past as well, and I think we'll talk more when we finish recording, but about looking to footballers. Do you think that's a big market? I mean, you must have empathy for footballers at the moment, particularly League One and Two players. There must be a lot of, ang- you sort of mentioned that uncertainty and anxiety around contracts because it's never the most secure of jobs anyway. I
1: suppose they it's must be lo- absolutely. looking. Absolutely. To- and yeah. my, my story in a bit of a nutshell is retiring mid-career through football, not having a massive bank balance at the end of it, But the the money that I did have, I basically paid to go through university. And then when I went through university, I paid for a training course in property, which basically took me down to zero. So I had no pension, back to zero. And then when you think about it, because of the way I've applied myself over the last few years, and then I looked at this year, this year, right now, I'm currently involved in seven and a half million pounds worth of property deals. Wow. None of it's... None of it is not not it's not all like ashamed of profit or none of it is all, all risk or anything like that. But when you think about what can be achieved, yeah, and you think, hang oh, on, that's that's good. That's that's um. And w- will that be big for you though? Will that be a decent chunk for you at the end of the year? What it'll do, what it's, it's all like it's delay. I'm working. I'm trying to build up. I'm trying to build up a bit of a legacy. So what I'm doing now will add to the future. So I've got a mixture of strategies. Some, like the developments and things, when you buy, refurbish and sell, what it does, it puts money in the business bank account in cash. Mm. But what it doesn't do, it's not an ongoing asset. Yeah. So it, doesn't pay, it doesn't pay you. You've still got to be working for your time. So at the moment, a lot of my time is used up by driving income streams, driving revenue streams, driving new opportunities. So it's very, very, very focused at the moment. But the aim is, as things go further on, is to be a bit more, a little bit more passive. I want to put my value in at the front end of a business. Mm. I want to ultimately become like a really, really good middleman. If you look yeah. at Jeff Bezos, I think that his business model is absolutely phenomenal because he's, he's uh, Amazon, uh, the, Amazon boss, yeah, yeah. Oh okay, yeah, sorry, he's uh, he's the best middleman there is. And I'm sure he's not very happy that he's just been knocked off the number one spot of the richest, richest man in the world.
0: Yeah, but, I can't believe that Elon Musk, but I, I, yeah, I don't understand how it works, isn't it? It's quite theoretical, I think, Musk's Musk's sort of wealth, but still, it's uh, an yeah. interesting, so interesting league
1: to be in. Well, So I think it's, it's been really, and you look back and you look at your achievements, you think, you know what, that's, that's good. And I haven't, and it's about not, being, not having to be the expert. It's been walking into walking into things knowing that things might not go well. Mm. But actually, the biggest thing that you can do is work out, well, what is the worst case scenario? So that time yeah. when I went to quit my job, I was like, people were looking at me with a six-month-old baby going, you can't quit your job, mate, you've got a family to provide for. Mm. That's, that's just reckless, that's just stupid, that's selfish. All these little voices in my own head and other people, they didn't say it to me, but I mm. felt that that's what they were thinking of me when I, when I thought about it. And I thought, well, what's the worst thing that can happen here? Worst thing yeah. that can happen here is that it doesn't quite go to plan, and I end up getting another job. And actually, when you think about
0: it like that, it's not that bad. Having made it it as a pro footballer, which I know you didn't play in the Premier League, but still having made it as a professional footballer, which is most young boys and now young girls dreams. Actually, you think that in itself gives you a level of confidence somewhere in your psyche to think when you apply yourself, you can get somewhere.
1: Yeah, no, I do. I do agree with that. And with with the football. Because life, life is short as a footballer and it's very, very fo- focused and they haven't really got an opportunity to think about life after football. They're always preached to just think about five years' time, think about five years' time. But really, no manager is going to sit down and want you to think about five years' time because they want you to think about Saturday. Yeah, They don't want you to think about anything else. They want you to focus on the game right now. And I can understand that also because the managers don't care if you're looking after yourself in 10 years time they just want no. you to play now and perform because that's what sport's all about yeah. but i've got this and i've been talking to there's a current um the current Portsmouth goalkeeper craig um McElroy.
0: McElroy. yeah yeah
1: he's i'm currently i'm in touch with him a lot on that, so i'm i'm helping him at the moment so people would potentially reach out to me and look for support and get some coaching but they would have to they would have to pay quite a, quite a sizable amount of money for me to do that. Mm. But with him, it's, I'm not actually charging him at all. Mm. Um, and I, I'm not working him in a coaching capacity, I'm almost working him as a bit of a, like, like a friend and a helper because Proper I had a few conversations yeah. with him, I really like him, um, and he's really, really passionate about getting into property developments. But with property development, it's a hell of a lot of risk. And when someone's quite green, like he is, quite, quite very new to it, there's, there's a lot of stuff he doesn't know. So he's using me as like an information bank at the moment, which I don't mind. But I've got, this, I've got a bit of a, a view and a vision to potentially, because of my football background and Craig currently in football, I'm thinking, well, if I give out him support, mm. you never know. And I can help him into something. You know, we might end up doing something together. Yeah. Because a lot, anything to do with finance is trust mm. in, in the whole of the world. We might have financial advisors, we might have bank managers, and yeah. it, you don't really talk about money often because it's, you're conditioned not to. And you, you have but, empathy there as well, don't you, in that particular
0: area of life? But for, for ex-footballers, you have a common thread already.
1: Yeah, and that's where I think it would be people would potentially, they would potentially listen to me as opposed to someone from the outside who comes in in a suit saying, right, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Yeah. I've been where they have. I've been through, not, not just me, there's several, there's several people who have been through it. But I definitely think, I, would, I don't know what it looks like, but I would like to do something, whether it's, within, whether it's working with the PFA in some way, whether it's working with just a handful of footballers who are keen to get involved in something. Because if they're playing in League One and League Two, they're not going to people with they're not going to people with a spare fifty thousand pounds floating around. No, but it might be something that it, they they might be able to dip their toe into something that they all they all share, and I can almost help them with that. Um, See, so yeah, I don't really know what it looks like. Yeah, just give people so, an avenue. This is this is for people
0: actively property developing in terms of a site building a site building houses and then selling them. Is it as opposed to maybe encouraging footballers to buy a second home and rent it out? Because I don't know what. Is that a way to make money? But I suppose that's very passive, isn't it? You say it's passive, but maybe people want a project to get involved in when they're 32, or 35, leaving football. They're, they're still young men, young women.
1: Yeah, it's all about assets and liabilities. What can you, what can you invest your money into now mm. to provide an income? Um, people invest in their kids and get them an education because they want their kids to look after them when they're older. That might be one way. Um, <laughs> But whether it be, people have got different aversions to risk, people have got different attitudes, people have got different desires. Some people just want quite a, a steady, steady simple life. Some people are driven by earning masses of money. Some people are driven just by, they just want a mortgage free home. When they're older, they can just retire in and enjoy and there's no, there's no, there's no right or wrong. It's just what each individual wants. So if I can, in development as the risks are so much higher. So what you can do, I can probably save people a hell of a lot of money just through avoiding mistakes. Yeah, And I would like to do that with footballers. Like with Craig, he's, I've been giving him quite a little bit of my time, which some people go, why are you doing that? Mm. But I don't know what it is. When he, when he reached out to me and I saw his story, and he's, I think he, I, he's like maybe 28 now, 29 maybe, mm. and, I, and he, he's very aware that you're only as good as your last contract and something may happen to him, and it and it, it really scares him. Yeah, he's He could have another ten years, though, couldn't he? As
0: a goalkeeper, I suppose.
1: Absolutely, he absolutely players. could. And if you, if you talk to him, I think he'd actually be a really good guest for you on this because he has got quite a bit of—he's um, got a personality. He comes across—he just comes across really well. He's really likable. Yeah. Um, and you could ask him what is, and he said himself, he's—I won't use the language—but he just said, "I'm absolutely pooing myself. <laughs> that my career is going to end, and I've got nothing." yeah well I can empathize with that as well, but being a
0: broadcaster, you know we're sort of beholden to rights and and different companies in the ascendancy. I think in my industry, obviously there is the the rising specter of Bezos's boys amazon you know so it's, it's interesting i can I can definitely see how that but there's also i suppose again you, you go back to mindset don't you is it is it kind of potentially being terrified of a career change or or being emboldened and embracing it and thinking well, i wouldn't want to do the same thing for fifty years i suppose that's Something to, to have in mind, isn't it? And for these guys who are so driven as, as professional footballers, as I say, it's such a competitive marketplace to try and get into as a kid, that actually they want to have that energy going somewhere. I mean, that must be the biggest dread, is not having that, that drive,
1: you know, being sort of stymied. Absolutely. And I, 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 it's easy to do now, but I'd look back and think, because I was quite forward-minded anyway, I always wanted to do a few things and use my time wisely. Um, but I didn't. I just I, I spent hours watching Homes Under the Hammer when <laughs> I, should, I should have just been doing it. And the best thing I've ever done is actually just go. Do you know what? I got forced into a situation where I was working so much, long hours, to try and be the hero, like working on weekends, working early mornings, working late nights. Yeah. But then I, just, yeah. I wasn't being the I wasn't being the dad I wanted to be. And I could like, just yeah be, I yeah. could yeah. see myself in five years' time just being that dad who provides, but doesn't actually do the things that i think your dad should do and i'm just really pleased that me and my mrs alice she encouraged me to just say listen you know i think you know what you're doing just go for it
0: yeah yeah and it's that line between self self-care and and ambition isn't it as well and, and being realistic because sometimes working really hard staying up late at night getting up early in the morning we think we're doing well but actually when you look at people like Matthew Walker at the University of Berkeley in, in America. I think he's an Australian guy, but he's written a book on sleep. He's on the internet on numerous podcasts. Fascinating. Listen, just talking about how it's such a fulcrum of, of mental and physical performances, sleep and rest. And actually, if you, if you are burning the candle at all angles, you're probably not doing a, a fantastic service to yourself, but you do have to look after yourself. But then when you're a parent and you're trying to earn money, it's like how much time do you spend looking after yourself? It's all fine balances. isn't it? as you say, it's probably unique to the individual.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It really, really is.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's good. So, um, so what's the next project there for you? It's just, is you going to set up a company name to work with footballers? Do you feel, or is it? Yeah, that's going got, to happen. Oh, I don't ready? know
1: for that. I don't know for that. We currently, currently, we've got a company that's called Leckhampton Property Group. Yeah. Um, but that, that's that's what I work under now. But regarding the football, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. I might put your brains on uh, on this after, afterwards. Just saying, okay, in in your. In your position, how where would you take this, and so whether because I, I don't know whether I want to approach the PFA now, or whether I just want to help a few help a few people like Craig now a little bit organically. Mm. Yeah, we'll talk and, about it, but may, maybe the PFA is not a bad approach, I
0: suppose, because they will be conscious of you know good get creating good press and creating legacies for their their uh, players, which traditionally was coaching, yeah. isn't it? But as you know, there's only so many coaching jobs in the in the it world. It is, but I,
1: I equally understand how would they endorse. Someone like myself, mm. how could they endorse it when let let's 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 just paint the worst picture in the world here. Let's just say one of the, just that I was supporting one of the players, and they they went off and made a choice of completely of their own doing, and it was a bad choice. Mm. Would that be reflected on the PFA because they said, "Oh, maybe speak to Shen," so yeah. they would look at it from a they may potentially look at it a bit, well, hang on, how could, how could this hurt us to endorse somebody further down the line? Unless you,
0: unless they sort of employed you to do general seminars, like kind of rather than specific one-on-one yeah. stuff. I don't know, yeah, that's, you know. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. To sort of give information and then people can follow that up on the, on their own. Because I, suppose, I presume that when you're getting to that point, late 20s, early 30s, it must be either, either you're pushing it out of your mind or it's popping up in your mind that you're thinking, what will I do for the next 30 years? If you're not... And I think for the Premier League players, it's still the same issue, right? You've got time to spend. How are you going to live that life when you feel like probably in your prime? Although physically, maybe the professional sport becomes beyond you. Actually, you're thinking, how am I going to spend that time? But I think it's a real concern for League One Two and a lot of championship players as well, that actually they need to create an income and a, and a pursuit. So I think any information I would imagine for the PFA, if they can run seminars, probably virtual ones now in the world we're living in but in the future maybe kind of I guess you could you could be one of like three speakers from different light, lines of work and it carries more emphasis I would imagine being an ex-footballer like yourself who had your career taken away from injury with injury so dramatically as a former yeah. PFA member I think that would would be huge
1: No I think so I think so and I think it would just be over, over time. I don't mind doing it I don't mind giving up my time for that mm. um, without a particular purpose other than been willing to. I just want people to look at me, as go. Do you know what? He's he's a good lad.
0: He's a good. Do you know what? He's really helped me.
1: Yeah. And the, the the community that I'm a part of now, it's actually quite nice. Quite a nice award to, to win. I just won it for two years running. It's called the Lifeline Award. Yeah. And I quite like being important to people. It's <laughs> one of my drives. I like one of the co- the reason why I like coaching is because I know I'm adding value to them, and I know I know that they can really rely on me. Yeah. And how the the award was described and it was voted for from all the people within the community was if you were hanging off a cliff and you were holding onto a rope and the rope was at the top who would you want at the other end? Mm. And the name that came out of the hat was mine. Really? I think I want the rock. (laughs) Yeah. But it was nice and it was, um, it's just, I just, I'm really, it's an award that I'm really, really proud of because in football terms I'm saying that that is, that's the player's player. That's the one that everyone wants. Like the supporters' player of the award, the sponsors' player of the they are all nice awards. But the one that the players want is the one that's voted that, for by the players. That's
0: how people describe you, was it, Your nickname was Munch, wasn't it? You just sort of look after everyone on the pitch. Was—is was that
1: was it? Munch, yeah, crunch, well, I think worry. I think that nickname was when like when I was really young, pro. Oh right, okay, I Didn't yeah. care about. I just if I wanted to win the ball, I would win the ball yeah it, it meant going through a few legs. I was just a bit <laughs> I would say aggressive, but probably a little bit reckless as well yeah and I suppose part of that thing is, is part we have it with kids as well we want
0: we want to redo our our wrongs and actually for you being through it so recently to help other players in a similar position must, would be rewarding, wouldn't it, because in a sense you're you're learning from from your experiences, which is powerful as well oh wow, wow, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, quick, quick general tip on property. Then, do you think people should buy at the moment? It's interesting because obviously Cheltenham, as we say, is a buoyant market. It Seems like a lot of people are retiring from London to to Cheltenham and bringing money with them, and it makes it complicated if you live here because the, the prices are rising, which is which is kind of good, but then it also makes it difficult to to jump up in property. But for people investing, is it we hear this location, location, location? You mentioned. Cash in the attic, but that's one of the property shows on TV, isn't it? And it, it's kind of drilled into us. Do you think it's that way, in Inclan? Because I, I wouldn't think of Oldham being necessarily a property hotbed, but you're
1: you're putting energy in there. Is it all about? No, it's it's just, very different because it's property cheaper in Oldham. Like what yeah. we've had to pay for the property in Oldham, it's a big commercial building. But if it was down in Cheltenham, it'd be worth so much more. Mm. And it's, it's very different. Like in London, some people might buy a property in London. Yeah. Think, you know what, I'm just going to buy it, I'm going to have a mortgage on it, someone's going to rent it, it's not going to make me any money. But yeah. history would tell me that in five years' time, it's going to have grown a lot in value. But mm. that's a little bit speculative. Um, so if that was the case all over the country, you would just buy any property and it would just go up in value. Yeah, But there's no, there's no guarantee for that. Um, I, no. I do think property on the whole is a sound investment purely because there's, there's a massive demand for housing as, as a nation. There's more people than there are houses. Yeah, There's people with, at the moment, everyone who's been in a flat because of the pandemic, they want to move to a house. People in a two-bedroom house want to move to a three-bedroom house because they need a, they, they want an office space. People who are maybe in flats and they might find fall on financial hard times, they might drop down and go, well, actually, I don't want to be in a flat where I've got all the bills to myself. I might want to go into a shared house. So I think there's going to be more pressure on the housing market. So I think the, the housing demand will remain high yeah. And I think there will be opportunities out there for people to invest in. But equally there'll be people who make bad bad decisions or bad choices like they do in any other industry. Mm. And it's just about getting the right education, working with the right people, making the right choices.
0: Getting your calculator out. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because you can be objective and you can calculate things and look at percentages of, of typical inflation, but you always I always feel the property market it's part science and, and part art, isn't it? Because there is a, a human emotional sort of accompaniment to the property market sometimes not always derived from the economy it feels like there's sort of like times when there's people are just on the move wanting to buy and there's other times when people are feeling more cautious and and more
1: settled yeah and like you say people don't like uncertainty Mm. people don't like say do you know what sometimes uncertainty just makes people do nothing Mm. because they're quite quite happy with that and even if they're not happy with that they might not be unhappy enough to do something Mm. yeah Yes.
0: No, I was going to say. Just, I was going to ask you a final thought about the uncertainty and everything, and a difference you mentioned about top level pros becoming comfortable with adversity in terms of crowds, pressure of of other players, whatever it may be. And I, I just wondered whether you saw that the lack of fans across the the football pyramid is a leveling factor over the past few few months. When you look at it psychologically, we saw the weekend in the FA Cup. I know Marine got beaten handsomely by Tottenham, but Crawley outplayed. A League Two side outplayed Leeds United, handsomely won 3-0. And I just wonder whether some of the distinctions, the dividing factors between who were the elite footballers in the Premier League and who were making up League One and Two, whether that's diminished a little bit by the, the fact that the environment's changed.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. Because what the crowd does, it increases emotion, doesn't it? Mm. And a, a phrase that's always been put into me over the last few years is when emotion goes up, intelligence goes down. <laughs> and in the height of uh, like how many managers, at the moment, are getting sent to the Sands. Yeah, compared to, compared to two years ago. Probably, I don't know the fact, and I'm an absolute guess. I'm guessing not as many. Because, and the only difference is, the, the game's still the same, the referees mm-hmm. are still the same. The only difference is the crowd have been removed, so emotion is a lot, a lot less. So I, I, I agree with you, really, that there's, it is a bit more of a level. It's almost like a training ground feel, and you're just going out into... Eleven v eleven, and it must be it must be difficult for the players because sometimes they, they need that bit of a motivation, and sometimes they might the crowd being there might give them a bit of a buzz mm, to get to get them going. And when it's not there, they've got to get it from within, which must be really hard. And they've yeah. got to play so many games at the moment. Yeah, it must be hard to, to how do you get into a peak physical and mental state twice a week, every week, over and over and over again. Yeah. With, with, with that,
0: without that stimulation that sometimes you need externally, yeah, for someone to yeah, galvanize.
1: I don't, I am really, I'm really impressed with how they're willing to do, how that, how just how all the Premier League, not so much because they can rotate their squads more because they've got bigger squads, mm. but, but certainly League One and League Two, I'd imagine come the end of this year, late end of this year, I think there'll be some terrible football played. <laughs> I, I really do think because they finished the season late, yeah, and then they didn't really have a break, and then since September I think when it started it's been non-stop football matches Yes, and I, I do I, th- I think towards the end, later end of the season uh, there might just be some awful football played
0: yeah.
1: me- me- <laughs> it would not be good too. to watch yeah. at all just yeah.
0: because they're so tired yeah, you're right. It must take great internal motivation. I think that's been interesting for me. Had John Hudson from the, the UK military's chief survival instructor on recently, which is a great podcast. He's a good friend of mine now, but he, he's fascinated by the, the, the concept of stoicism and that that differential between the internal and the external environment and trying to keep that internal equilibrium regardless of the external, which is pretty much impossible. People in history have achieved it, but I think we're all having to think about that with the, the constraints, of the pandemic and the environment around us, as you say, is trying to keep some sort of personal buoyancy and and direction at the moment, which is great. And and on that note, Shane, I think it's great to have you on, mate. I really appreciate it. We'll uh, hang on the line, but thank you for being on the podcast. And how can people follow you again? Because you say that you're looking to inform people, educate people with your, your social media, whereabouts is the best place?
1: On Instagram, it's called Leckhampton, Leckhampton property group. Uh, Yeah. Facebook it's Leckhampton property group as well. Good man. Shane, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: There we have it. The deep but thinking, inspirational character, Shane Duff. What a monumental thing to be making your way through the, the dream job of professional footballer, to have it prematurely ended, as he said there, and to have to sort of uh, throw yourself wholeheartedly into something like property, which despite having a rationale and uh, constructive ethos behind it in terms of how it works I think as clearly as I say it's sort of emotional intangibles to the property market and Shane's navigated that well and good to hear that he's doing well in these times and do get in touch with with Shane as well on social media if you have any queries and want to sort of delve into that world of property development yourself he is uh, certainly a sociable guy and that I think initiative of trying to help people and and particularly footballers that he can empathize with is a really good one. Leckhampton Property Group is the Instagram account. Just looking at it now. So that's uh, Shane Duff. Uh, Thank you for him. Really appreciate his time when he's uh, probably busy with uh, more Zoom calls, but hopefully that was a bit of fun for him too. He's just messaged me to say he enjoyed it. So that's good. Uh, Thank you to him. Thank you to you for listening. If you like the podcast, please rate it on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on. I believe now 12, 13 platforms we're on, including Spotify as well. So any uh, rating systems you can give it will be warmly appreciated. Any constructive criticism too. Any comments I'll look at and read on the the podcast as well. Thank you to you. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Check out BNO Cheltenham on social media, Facebook instagram well i think they're on facebook i'm not sure i don't really spend much time on facebook but they're on instagram and twitter for sure and they're housed in the uh, sort of beautiful uh, picturesque uh, scene the uh, very quaint montpellier courtyard um but unfortunately not doing any work out there you can't go into the, the showroom although it looks nice on the outside at the moment i went down there because actually there's a local patisserie that is opening for takeaway and i, I messaged the uh, the lead at Bangalore, sort of Cheltenham, the lead man jason briggs and he said he's already fallen foul of that one, but some beautiful artistic cakes um, there. So that's in the in the courtyard. If you're wandering past, if you live in Cheltenham, if not, make sure you check them out online, any sort of solutions for your home entertainment, whatever it may be, your audio equipment, televisual. Yeah, I think I may have made that up again, but that's uh, a, a good team there. And if cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-M.co.uk, if you're looking to optimize your immunity in these times, if it's been a positive catalyst for you in that sense, um, and look to supplement your your intake of hopefully good food. Then head to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk and my discount code is Draper, all capital letters D R A P E R. The numbers one zero and the capital letter R. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to follow me on social media, it is Ed Draper eighty one on Twitter, Ed underscore Draper eighty one on instagram known as teddy draper on some of those platforms as well which is uh, an identity crisis that i've had since childhood flitting between the two monikers of uh, edward the two nicknames but uh, i appreciate your time thank you i hope you're well in these strange surreal and ongoing times and hopefully this podcast has been some use to you as well thank you guys have a good week bye for now